How's everybody doing? A little windy out there again today, but uh, hey, it's it's another day. We're able to sit up and take a little bit of coffee and uh, or tea or whatever it is that you might be <clears throat> drinking this morning. Sorry, I'm still a little froggy here. Um, we are going to go to Luke chapter 2 today. We're going to consider the shepherds uh, in those days and, and try to get a little bit of insight into shepherds. Uh, th- there's probably a few episodes worth of information that we can do. We'll see where we go tomorrow, whether I'm going to stick with the theme of shepherds or go a little bit different direction. There is so much to consider uh, around the holidays. That's why, I mean, Advent is such a great time because you can look at all the various uh, all the various different aspects of uh, 
the various characters, uh, the timing, the prophecies. Uh, there's just so much to look at, and uh, we have only looked at just a little bit. So um, we'll continue here. And hopefully your chat is okay. I just got a notification on my end that the chat, uh, there was an error somewhere. So I'm no longer seeing messages. But anyway, I'll keep on going and uh, we'll keep on chatting. Uh, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to pick up today considering the shepherds. And, and there's there's myths, uh, There there's varieties of thought, there there are things that different scholars have said. Uh, there are some who say, well, these are the facts. And people say, well, those aren't the facts. These are the facts. There's, there's lots of different things. What we do know is what we can read in the scriptures here. And then around the scriptures, the other sources to which we would want to possibly consider going would be the sources that were, were, were written around the time, especially historical sources, Jewish sources, or or writers, his, uh, people who are writing from a historical perspective in that day uh, would perhaps have the best insight. And uh, so we look at the scripture as a starting point. Uh, other places you might go would be the Mishnah. Uh, and uh, the Mishnah is a collection of Jewish writings uh, that, that tell, that give insight into the, uh, that give insight into what was taking place in that day from Jewish perspective. But for today, let me get us over into Luke chapter 2. We'll pick up here. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, we talked about that yesterday. Uh, what, what Caesar did, what Caesar Augustus did here, forced the fulfillment of prophecy. And again, uh, dealing with the skeptics uh, who say, well, these kids had this novel idea and it's all man-made, blah, 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 blah. That's a Steveism, And uh, I love that. Um, You begin to get into things like what Caesar did. You begin to get into the travel of the Magi. You begin to get into the the appearance of the star. Um, You begin to get into, and, and that's something historically recorded, uh, the shepherds, you might go, oh, did that really happen? Yeah, I, I believe it happened. Uh, it's recorded here for us. Uh, but the various things that happened, and today we're not talking about prophecy or the fulfillment of prophecy as much as just an ordinary day for some people uh, who were tending sheep, and uh, we'll see what happened. So let, let's continue. Says so this was the first census taken that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, they had... You know, rulers, presidents, uh, dictators, if you will, like Caesar Augustus. Quirinius was a governor. They had various governors. And like we mentioned yesterday, that uh, Israel would have, would have probably been considered as a part of the Syrian region. Uh, I mean, we still have Syria today, but but it was probably a part of that region. We continue on. It says, everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in the Galilee to Judea. Now, up, and I just want to clarify something. Up means down. Uh, he's going south. And uh, when he went up to the 
town of Nazareth uh, in Galilee to Judea. Uh, Judea is south of the uh, of Nazareth, south of the Galilee. So why does it say up? Because uh, Jerusalem is built on a hill. And so you, it always speaks in the scripture of going up to Jerusalem or up to Judea uh, just because of the contour of the land. So where did he go? It says he went to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. We covered this yesterday. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The cloths, the inn, the caves. Uh, I have watched a number of documentaries from people who do Holy Land tours. uh, And even with, with Todd Fink, he is a guy you can look up his videos, Holy Land Sites. Uh, and, and watch any number of his YouTube videos uh, um, that give some pretty decent insight into things. Uh, and I recommend his his site on YouTube as a place to go to 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 see firsthand the Holy Land. And he talks about where he was born and where Jesus was born, and uh, in a cave, uh, likely. Down underneath the inn, they had a place where they kept cattle or maybe people would would tie up their donkeys or people would, would uh, if they had any livestock, they would put it in that, that area. And that's why you see Jesus pictured uh, in uh, that type of a setting. Now, usually it's not the type of little barn that we see, uh, like my little manger scene uh, out in my nativity in front of my house. I mean, it's really inaccurate. Uh, it was it was the lower floor of of up what what was up above an inn, and uh, down below where where they would keep the animals, and that is where Jesus would be born. There is some myth to the idea of wrapping in claws. Look, all she was trying to do is keep her child warm. Uh, this this is happening in winter now. Winter isn't as harsh and brutal. Uh, in Israel, because they're just off the the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, just to the to the east of the Mediterranean Sea, so winters might not be as harsh, but still, evenings could be cool. And often, December to February or so is the rainy season, so it would be damp and cool. Uh, and that could have been the environment uh, the night Jesus was born. She is trying to keep him. Uh, warm and she needs some place to lay him so she herself can get some rest so she would place him inside uh, of the manger that was what she um, what she did in the manger interestingly uh, some build a little wooden manger scene if you go into our church at veracity uh, I happened to be in there yesterday and there's the little wooden cradle uh, little manger set up um, Probably was built of stone. Why? Because actually wood in Israel was much harder to come by. And uh, 
So they, they more often use stone or, or masonry. Jesus himself would grow up to be, as Joseph was, a stone mason. Uh, it says builder, carpenter, but so much of the carpentry was, was made out of stone uh, and uh, a cement work in those days. Now, that's the birth. Jesus is born. Let's get in a little bit further to more of the text and consider uh, what happens. At this time, when they are in this this lower level, uh, the animal level uh, of the inn, and Jesus is born, and he is uh, wrapped in claws, placed in a manger, says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I mean, it, if you go to that part of the world, it is no, uh, I mean, Israel wasn't as bad uh, as other places that I've been. But if if you can just imagine places where there are sheep running around and goats running around and chickens running around, um, I, I in my experience, Israel is a little bit more developed um, and maybe use fences and things like that for the sheep. But but the shepherds were out. They were trying to find uh, water sources. Uh, they were out trying to find food sources for the sheep. And, and so they were nearby. It was very common that they would be nearby. Now, some would say that, that Bethlehem uh, being close to Jerusalem was the places that the sheep were raised specifically for the sacrifice, and uh, that, and again, that this is some legend um, that they would find those perfect little lambs, and when they found the perfect ones, they would wrap them in the cloths uh, and uh, would, would place them in in a safe place so that they would not be tarnished, so that they would not be in some way desecrated because they wanted to keep those pure, spotless lambs for the sacrifices that would take place at Passover. Uh, which would be in just a few months from now, three or four months away. So they're they're really taking care of the sheep in that type of a way. It's nighttime. Uh, it says the shepherds are living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, now some would say the shepherds were the lowest lowest of the lowly. Um, some would say shepherds were idle and lazy. Uh, and, and that wasn't really the case, but the work that they were called to do was basically to stand there and keep watch over the flocks. The work that they were given to do was to protect the flocks from predators, uh, wolves and coyotes and other predators or, or thieves. Um, remember where Jesus says, thieves break in to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's John chapter 10, which I think we're going to turn over to John chapter 10 here. In just a little bit, they had the important uh, work of making sure that the sheep were cared for, that the sheep had adequate pasture, that the sheep had adequate water. Now you begin thinking Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. And what does he do? He talks about the waters. He talks about the green pastures in Psalm 23. That's what shepherds did. And yet, while it seemed like they were idle uh, compared to others, that was their work. Their work was was to guard the sheep. Uh, their work was to provide for the sheep. Their work was to 
tend to the sheep when, when new little lambs were born. It was their work to take care of them in that type of a way. And uh, so they were there keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, one of the interesting questions that comes up this time of year is why not go to uh, Kings? Why not go to Quirinius, the governor? Why not go to Caesar Augusta and say, hey, this king is going to be born? Well, for one, Jesus would be viewed as competition, uh, and which we read about as Herod had uh, the, the, the innocents slaughtered, those baby boys two years old and younger, all slaughtered because he was threatened by the thought of there being another king. Um. Kind of lost my train of thought there. Uh, But the shepherds, let's come back to the shepherds. Shepherds watching over their flocks. Well, that's why I I remember my train of thought now. Uh, This is real, raw, live, you know. And the train of thought is the the announcement wasn't made to the higher echelon. Uh, The announcement wasn't made to the... Pharisees, and it wasn't made to the Sadducees, and it wasn't made to the Essenes. It was made to shepherds. Why? Well, because the Pharisees would have all their theological reasons why this couldn't be the case, which we do see as being true as it plays out in the Gospels. The Sadducees would be the same way. They had their laws and their rules and their beliefs and their customs, and and what was happening here just didn't fit. The Essenes may have been the same ilk in the same way. They all had their laws, their bureaucracy, uh, their certain codes of conduct, and if things didn't fit just right, it just couldn't be of God. And uh, so that's why the angels bypassed shepherds. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem, not in Jerusalem, not near the temple, where you'd say, well, he should have been born at the temple because, no, it, it was five miles away from the from the temple or five miles away from Jerusalem. But it was out with common, ordinary, everyday folk like you and me, friends. God is looking for common, ordinary, everyday folk like you and me who will be open to the gospel. He is looking for common, ordinary, everyday folk like you. And I'm an ordinary, everyday folk. Look, I'm wearing flannel. I mean, if that's an indication, uh, I'm not wearing suit and tie, three-piece suit. None of that. I'm sitting here in flannel uh, and a, a T-shirt underneath. I'm common, ordinary, everyday. And, and that's what he's looking for because the common, ordinary, everyday people were, were much more open about things than some of those that had all of their laws and their practices. I mean, we see the same in Christianity today. There are some that if you don't, in fact, I was in a conversation earlier today, uh, if, if you don't fit into a certain category and, and, and the way that people see things, then you're labeled a heretic or you're labeled uh, as a, a person who doesn't understand or you're labeled as uh, a mystic or something else. Jesus is looking for people that he, that are pliable. Jesus is looking for people who will believe the message. That is what he is looking for. And that's what he would find in the shepherds. So they were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. This is night. Uh, the shepherds were nearby. 
uh, that's the way it was around Bethlehem. In fact, some would say Bethlehem is an area that is known for raising sheep. And I've already talked about that and how they would raise sheep specifically to end up at the sacrifice. Now, you have kind of two things happening here with the shepherds and the sheep. Jesus is both a shepherd and Jesus is a sheep. Uh, John chapter 1, I think verse 29, tells us that Jesus himself is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then later on in John chapter 10, in fact, let me put those up there for you. John chapter 1, so you can see the verse, and here it is. John chapter 1, the next day John saw Jesus, and this is years and years, years later, 30 years later, roughly, give or take, uh, when Jesus was uh, beginning his ministry, says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Uh, John will talk in the book of Revelation about the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So Jesus is the Lamb. It's entirely fitting that the Lamb of God is born out where the lambs are, born out where the sheep are, because he is the Lamb of God. It's entirely fitting that he would be born among shepherds because he himself would be a shepherd, John chapter 10. And he gets into John chapter 10 and says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter by the sheep, uh, does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. <clears throat> Speaking theologically, spiritually, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of a sheep. He entered the gate of prophecy. Uh, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he is brought out his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow because they know his voice. Do we know the voice of the shepherd? We're called to know the voice. And, and, and Jesus will call himself the good shepherd. In fact, down at verse 11. Let me put that up for you so you can see it. John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Verse 14, Jesus repeats, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you you listen when, when the word of God is spoken? Do you... Uh, do you long to be near him? His voice speaks, and we come running to him. We know his voice. Do you know his voice? Do you know Jesus? If not, I encourage you today to, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came, was born. Reading about that today, Jesus Christ would grow. Jesus would uh, enter ministry at around age 30 and around age 33 he would be crucified for our sins he would be buried uh, he would the stone would be rolled in front of the grave three days later he would resurrect from the dead uh, he would spend 40 more days of ministry on earth then ascend to heaven and he's coming again do you believe in Jesus friend I hope that you 
do. Well, let me take us back to the Luke passage that we were looking at and consider just a few more things. The shepherds uh, and and the angels. Think about this. No ordinary night. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Notice, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom uh, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I mean, they, they could have been startled. They could have been frightened. They could have been any number of different things. But they said, let's go find out. Now, they, they could have gone to skeptics to say, hey, let's go find out uh, if this is for real or not. That could have been what drove them. Uh, but to see what they saw was, was no ordinary night to experience not only an angel, but... Uh, uh, a myriad of angels uh, praising God as they were. So it says, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about the child, probably spread word among other shepherds. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It says, but Mary treasured these things up and pondered them in her hearts, in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I'll stop there because really uh, verse 21 should pick up with verse 22 in the next section. Maybe you'd see it as, as transitional. But they went uh, and saw it for themselves. They saw firsthand, and it led them to praise God. Now, there's more that could be said we could contemplate Mary. I mean, there's so many different directions to go. That's why Advent is such a great time of year. You have four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, and, and you can think about all these different aspects and characters like measure, uh, like Mary treasuring these things in her heart. But the shepherds went and found things just as were told them, and when they found them, what was the net result? They praised God. They they glorified God. They got the word out. For us, the same thing. Does Christmas lead us to worship? Does Christmas lead us to, to go and tell others? We're ordinary folk, most of us. And um, God is tapping you on the shoulder. He's tapping me on the shoulder for two things. For worship and witness that we would worship him this time of year. And and there's so much that goes on. You know, you think there's another Christmas card to write. There's another, uh, and this week is that uh, trajectory for me has been thrown off. I spent the day yesterday on the roof, getting the roof repaired and uh, from the storm. In fact, a little bit more to do yet today. 
Uh, but you know, there's one more Christmas card to write. Who who have I forgotten? All those things, and and maybe we lay aside those things and just give people uh, the blessing of our smile and a Christmas blessing, and to be of good cheer, to be of good joy, to be of faith, to be of peace, uh, to to be one who is praising and glorifying God. That the people would see from our worship that they would see our witness, and that our worship isn't just reserved for. Uh, Christmas Eve. It isn't just reserved for Christmas Day, but we worship him this time of year for all that he has done. And our worship, our worshiping hearts lead to witness. And what a great time of year to say to somebody else, do you know Jesus? You know, Christmas, let's not get into the argument, well, all the consumerism, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but no, to rather, uh, instead of fighting against the consumerism, how about we exalt and lift up Jesus? Be witnesses. Be common, ordinary, everyday folk to whom God has spoken, people whom God has drawn to faith in himself, and we worship him for his goodness, for his greatness, for his love. Lord, help us this time of year to be filled with worship and not worry. Help us to be filled with, with trust in your truth. Lord, help us today to be a witness for you in all that we say and all that we do. Lord, fill us with your joy. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your peace. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. We've got one more day. We'll see you tomorrow.